Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. We are now going to go ahead and click on over into uh, our teaching. Um, we, uh, For those of you who are new with us, you, the YouVersion app, we, you're able to follow on your smartphone and be able to follow along right there. You can access the notes right there in your pocket all week long um, if you like that and, and want that. Also, the bulletins we provide are a great way to kind of track along and follow along with the, the thought flow and the scriptures that we are looking at. So we've been jumping off in this series we've called Shouts and Whispers because when we look at the scriptures, there are places where where there are things that are shouted clearly about Jesus, and there are things that were whispered in the Old Testament. There are these places where things where if you were paying attention, you picked up on those, those little whispers. You could, you could hear what it was going. I bet you that there are some of you in this room who could just pierce our eardrums right now. Please don't do it. With a good old dad whistle. With this good old... And just let it rip and just be heard for blocks and blocks away. Um, my dad would whistle for us, but he did not have that whistle. His whistle was not near as loud as that traditional dad whistle. But there was this place where because I grew up hearing that and knowing that if I didn't respond to that whistle, that um, it wasn't going to be favorable. I needed to... Needed to to come in and enjoy my privileges of playing around the neighborhood that I needed to respond to this. And it was funny because I would pick up on this whistle and no one else would hear it. My friends would think I was totally lying. And so I'd be down a couple of blocks away. We'd be playing some touch football. And, of course, y'all know my story. I was the last one picked anyway. So when I had to leave, no one was sad. And uh, they felt like that. the team I left just went up in talent. And so... And uh, that the, the average athletic ability went up. So we don't have to try to do something with that kid anymore. And so, but we'd be sitting there playing. And then all of a sudden, I would hear there on the, on the air, my dad's whistle. Me and my two sisters would pick it up. And I'd hear it. And I was like, man, my dad just whistled. I got to get out of here. And they're like, did anybody hear anything? I'm like, no, no, nobody heard. He's like, man, Clark, you're lying. You know, you're just tired of playing football. You're going to go inside and play toys or something. And, uh, and so you, you just want to get out of here. And I was like, no, my dad really did whistle. And there'd be times that I would sit there and I would hear it, but I wasn't sure I would hear it. And to make sure, man, I'd truck it home, open that door and say, dad, did you whistle? And every time I ever asked that question, dad was like, yep, I whistled. And there were these little, these little hint things that because I wanted to hear them when they happened, because I was looking for it, because I was leaned into my father. I picked up on things other people missed. They were there on the airwaves. They were there to be heard, but they weren't important to the other kids. It didn't affect their lives, and so they didn't hear them. But, but, I, but I heard them, and we see in the scriptures there's some things that are very, very similar to that. We can kind of read over them in places, and, and Jesus was pointed to all through the scriptures, all through when we start from generation. <coughs> Genesis, generations, I put Genesis and Revelations together, there we go, and um, through Genesis to uh, Malachi, all of the Old Testament points 
to Jesus. There's, there's all of these whispers, and some of them shout, pointing to the Messiah and what he would do and what he would look like. And we've taken this time in this series to lean in and to look at these shouts and whispers in these places where the Jesus' life shouts out what the whispers of him were said about in the Old Testament. So we keep coming to this concept that to know God better and to trust him more, we need to see that Jesus has been part of the God-man story all along. It's really important that we see that he's been in this story all the way through. That Jesus isn't this guy that popped up in an obscure place in the Roman kingdom and started to just create havoc with his thing. No, Jesus was part of the God story all along. And, and it's so important that we recognize this, that we can find him in the scriptures because Jesus showed us that we can. Let's go ahead and look at Luke 24. We keep coming back to this concept. Again, this is on the road to Emmaus. This is resurrection day. Just later in the day, two guys are befuddled. They, they thought they knew what God was doing, what Jesus was doing. Didn't happen the way they wanted it to happen. Jesus dies. He's buried. They're depressed. They're upset. Everything just didn't go the way they thought they should go. They get rumors that the grave is empty, but that makes no sense. And they're walking home. They've left the center of, of all this activity in Jerusalem, and they've taken their toys, and they're going home. They're just... And they're talking about that they're disappointed and they're talking about their frustrations as they're shuttling home down the road to Emmaus. And this stranger joins them and begins to join in their conversation and they begin to talk. And, and they're explaining some of these things to this stranger. And the stranger is Jesus. Let's go ahead and look at verse 24. It says, then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. He's reminding them that they didn't need the testimony of these ladies, even though that was, that was pretty powerful. That, that these ladies saw the grave empty. They're eyewitnesses to say it was empty. And she says, but because we didn't see Jesus, we were, we're still a little confused about this. And he's like, you had enough to believe all along you had what the scriptures had said how slow you are to believe all that the prophets have spoken did not the messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory and beginning with moses and all the prophets he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself he just starts going through pointing out to them all of these little whispers, all of these little moments where the scriptures had pointed to who Jesus would, would be, what he would do, and what he would accomplish. But they had missed it. They had not seen it. It was right in front of them, and they didn't see it. I didn't say that right, but <laughs> you're going to forgive me. They didn't see it. I've had this problem my whole life. My wife will testify. She's still trying to get it out of me. That she will tell me right where something is and tell me to go get it, and I won't see it. I think it's a, I think it's a common man thing. Although my dad tried to break me of this when I was a kid. He would constantly tell me, hey, Brandon, I need this tool. I need this thing. And, he, and go out and, and tell me to go find it. And I'm like, Dad, it's not there. And he's like, Brandon, it's there. Go look again. 
And so I would go look again, and he would tell me exactly where to look. And I'd be sitting there, and I'm like, it's not there. It's not there. And then he would always go back to right where he told me it was. Go over there, maybe move something, maybe look at a different angle, grab it, and tell me this. If it had been a snake, it would bit you. But the other's dad had to give you that little, that little phrase. And sure enough, it was right in front of me, right where I was told it would be, and I still didn't see it. I still didn't see it. Thankfully, I get some of that dad anointing now, and I get to enjoy some of this. I still can't find anything my wife tells me where it is. I can't find anything. I finally, I just tell, please just go get it, dear. Hey, you're going to save both of us some frustration if you'll just go get it. And so, but I'll tell Keenan or the, the other kids to go get something. And then Keenan's like, I know it. I know he's just going to go pick it right where it told me it was. And I do. And I'm like, oh, son, son, come on. How could you do this? How? I do not understand. Don't tell him I understand. But it's, it's that so true, and we can just, we can just trip over these things and, and miss them, and miss them so easily. But I'm also so thankful that I grew up in a household with a dad who valued the scriptures, and that my love for the scriptures and my love for God was instilled in me from a young, young age of my dad carrying me to church. I've shared with you all multiple times how... Back in the long days ago where you, you had, if you were going to, your local pastor was going to be on TV, he had to go to the TV station and sit in the little studio and they would go on live. And I remember as a little kid, my dad, who was one of the elders in our church, being on TV with the, our pastor. It was like at 7 o'clock in the morning or something really early on a Sunday morning before church. And, and I don't know what the viewing audience was, but I tell you what. My dad being on there had a, had a viewing audience of his son, and that made a difference forever in my life. And dad, thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, put in me that this is something that is so vital and that is so important. I remember going on, my dad had to do call-outs and worked in the oil field for years and years, and we'd get these crazy call-outs. When West Texas storms would come up, we knew our phone was going to ring, and there'd be something, some pump would go down, some piece of equipment would go down, and my dad would have to go out and drive for hours and hours and hours, and lots of times I rode shotgun with my dad to, to keep him awake, and we'd be driving down the road, and, and we would have all sorts of, of conversations, and my dad would sing weird songs that... I didn't really believe were songs, and, and they really were. You 60s people, y'all had some weird songs. <laughs> the radio stuff was pretty mainstream. Y'all had some weird stuff on the other. That, I don't know. It, it was weird. And so, anyways, he'd sing these weird songs, and then we would we'd talk. We'd talk about the scriptures, and we'd talk about what God was doing, and I'd ask him questions, and I was so thankful that my dad was able to speak to me and tell me and answer these questions. If you notice at the bottom of your bulletin that there's a list of questions for the kids. Now the reason they're in your bulletin and not back there with the kids is because we want to provide some opportunities. And we've done this from the very beginning of Celebration Church. We want to provide some opportunities for you to be able to talk with your kids and have some questions for them 
to talk about it. Because guess what they're dealing with today? The same concepts we're dealing with. We work real hard to have us grow together as families. There's some wonderful kids' church curriculums that it would be so much easier for us to do, to spend the money, buy it, give it to our children's team, and say, you know what, this would be awesome. But we start from scratch every time. Every time. And it's hard. And it takes extra effort. And it takes all of this stuff. But we start from scratch because here's what I know. I know it from my own life and I know it from, from watching is that the number one discipler of your children is not the church you take them to. It's you. It's you. You're the number one discipler of your child. And what we want to do as a church is come along and be the most wonderful partner in that process we possibly can. We want to echo the love of God and all that. And so when they hear it at home and they come here, they're hearing the same consistent message that God loves them and for them and it's all about Jesus. But we want to help you be able to do it at home. We want to help you to be able to do it and connect. And so maybe, maybe you're new at this whole church thing. Maybe you're new at this whole Jesus thing. And that's why we track together. Because... If you're here and this is the first church service you've ever been in in your life and you know nothing about the Bible, then you're going to at least have heard the concepts we're talking about today. And then will your kids ask, and this maybe is their first time in a church ever, and they're having that and then they come and they're going to have questions about that, then they're going to go to the person they love and honor the most and go, you know what, I'm, and they're going to ask you the questions. And what I don't want is to put you in a position to where you have to say, I don't know. Because what that will tell them is, okay, well, this is neat for kids. But dad, my hero, he can't answer this one. He doesn't know. And so it's maybe not as vital. So what we want to do is to grow together. And so if they've got questions about what happens in kids' church today, then if there's nothing else in the Bible you can talk about, you can talk about what we talked about today. So that we're all on page together. And that's a really, really, really big deal to us. Why? Because I understand the role that you have as father and mom, single mom, who's tapping into the father heart of God to be mom and dad and pass on that daddiness that maybe is missing. Man, that we can help you in discipling. It is a big, big deal. I want us to look at this next place where we see this this whisper come through and, and <clears throat> this concept is, is anchored in this. That, that Jesus is supposed to be our foundation for everything in life. And, and we're going to look at Psalm 118. Let's start in verse 20. It says, this is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. There are some others who've rejected that there was a stone, that there was this important piece, that the builders looked at it and rejected it. Now, I'm not the, most, the greatest craftsman uh, around, but I can, I can do some real rough construction. I can't do stain grade anything. I need caulk and paint when it's all said and done to make it look decent. 
And, um, but I can put some stuff together, and I've had to do some projects and whatnot, and, and uh, take my kids to the, to the lumber yard, and we go and get some two-by-fours and stuff, and I've taught them how to cull the wood, because you don't just go up there and just grab, you know, you need 12 two-by-fours, you don't just go grab 12. You got to look at them, because they're going to be bent or twisted, and so you're sitting there, and then once the, the pile gets really low, then that's all there is, is bent and twisted. There's a bunch of stuff the builders rejected. They looked at it. They examined it and said, mm, I don't want it. This isn't useful. I have no need for this. And they kicked it aside. There was a stone, the scripture said, that, that the builders, the one who were supposed to be understanding how this stuff was going to come together, rejected. Said, we don't want this. We don't need this and kicked it aside, but God has made that stone the cornerstone. The one that gets laid first, the foundation of the foundation, and that everything else is going to be lined up with it. And if it doesn't line up with that, then it's off because the cornerstone is what's right and what's true. Jesus is that cornerstone. See, Matthew 21, 42 says, Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the chief priests and the ones who were supposed to be the builders. But they had rejected Jesus and they had kicked him to the side. And he's reminding them of the scriptures they know so well. They could have quoted this from, their, from memory. They knew it. And he brings it back into there. This, this, this piece is actually in all three of the Synoptic Gospels. All three of them. That it goes through. And all three of them touch on it. It comes in in Acts chapter 4. Where Peter is speaking. He says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected and has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This whisper there in Psalm 118 gets shouted six times in the New Testament. That Jesus is our cornerstone. That Jesus is our foundation. And that we've got to build on him. Dads, we've got to build on him. I applaud you. You're sitting in church this morning because you're choosing to build on him. And so we're like, okay, well, what does this look like? I've embraced Jesus. I haven't rejected Jesus. I haven't kicked Jesus to the curb. I want to build on him. How on earth do we begin to do that? We begin to do it by embracing the fullness of who he is. Let's look at how it impacts our lives. First Peter 2 says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in it the scripture says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. 
He says, see, you, I'm, I'm putting you, I'm building you like living stones. One of the first things we begin to do to, to let Jesus be our foundation is to begin to let God adjust our lives. As the master carpenters, the master builder begins to come in and we embrace Jesus as that one that's straight and true. That he's, he's, he's exactly right here, he's exactly right here, and he's exactly right here. And everything else that's built off of him is going to fall in line. Then we say, well, you know what? God, let my life be a living stone. Anything that's out of line, anything that's out of adjustment, anything that's out of level, I give you permission to adjust it. I give you permission to make corrections. Guys, I'm a daddy. But I know I still need some daddying. I still need my heavenly father to sometimes grab me by the ear and make some adjustments. To lovingly speak into my life and say, you know what, Brandon? This isn't going the right direction. Brandon, I've got a better way for you. Son, listen to me. I've got to be willing to let God make those adjustments and those alignments. That's how I let him be my cornerstone. He can't, he's the only a cornerstone for my life if I let myself be aligned to him. Otherwise, he's not. Otherwise, he's a trinket in my yard. Neat little stone sitting out in the yard of my life. But if nothing is built and aligned with it, it never becomes a cornerstone. It never becomes that. Ephesians 2 says... Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people, a member of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. He wants to be living and working in us. And that's the best way. The best way that we can show our children what it means to align with God and to let him be that builder in their lives. Is to let God be the builder in ours. To say I'm sorry when it's time to say I'm sorry. To make the adjustments when it's time to make the adjustments. To let God begin to move in our lives. And see, building on Jesus as our foundation, it makes all the difference in this life. Let's look at Matthew 7. This is a well-known place where Jesus talks about building on the rock. Matthew 7, 24 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, they've now become to shape our decisions. They begin to shape how we make our, our decisions and, and <clears throat> craft our actions. Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it didn't fall because its foundation was on the rock. We've talked about this before, but we'll see both, both pieces. The rain still came. And the stream still rose and the wind still blew. But whether or not it was a catastrophe or not depended on whether or not the, the foundation was sure. Dads, there's going to be storms in our family's life. 
There are going to be storms. There are going to be stuff that's a mess in our family's lives. And the thing is, is we would love to, to be able to just shield them all from it. I would love to be able to shield my kids from the difficulties of life, but I know they're going to come. So what can I do? I can help them build on the foundation that when those storms come, that it doesn't bust everything up and send them in all sorts of directions. That's what I can do. I can help them build on the truth of who God is and what he's done. Why? Because everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice, both heard the word. Both heard. But the other one just says, no, I don't want this to shape my choices. I don't want this to shape the way I make decisions. The other one puts it aside. And doesn't put him into practice. He's a foolish man who built his house on the sand. You know what? A house right on the sand is awesome when the weather's good. You're right on the beach, man. You're right on the beach. It felt like you gave your kids the primo thing. Look at the neighbors. They built their house way up there on the rock. They got to hike to the beach. They got to drag all their stuff down here. Man, we're living right here. It's so beautiful. So it's just a nice spot. The sandy place can seem a little bit better at times, a little easier. But when the stream rises and the winds blow, it's a nasty place to be. To beat against that house, and, and great was its crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So we take what he says serious. Not because it's some new list of rules to, to follow, but because his words bring life. We're going to make decisions, and he's going to point us to life. He's going to point us in the direction that's going to bring life to us and to our families. And seeing how we build, how we build our foundation matters in eternal life as well. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. It says, for we are God's fellow workers. You're God's field, God's building. But the, <clears throat> by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already laid, which is Jesus Christ. We've already looked at that. We've already come to that conclusion this morning that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the one we need to build our life on. We realize how we do that is we, we hear his words and we let them shape who we are and begin to craft who we are. And now we begin to look at some of the beauty that comes out of that. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, and costly stones, my wife likes gold, silver, and costly stones. That's the kind of stuff she'd like me bringing home, putting in the house. This is the good stuff. This is the good stuff that the fires of life come, and it just gets better. Silver gets better after it's been processed through the heat. Gold becomes becomes where it can be shifted and become whatever form it needs to be. The purities come 
the impurities come out of it. These costly stones, they're not, they're not uh, hurt by the fires. They're not hurt by, by it. But then he says, or maybe wood, hay, or straw. Wood, hay, or straw, we know what happens with wood, hay, and straw. We all remember the big bad wolf. It don't last. That is nothing to be building with. But it happens, right? So we have the foundation of Jesus. So who has the foundation of Jesus? Christ followers do. People place their faith in him. So he's talking to us. He's not yelling out here to, to people who are clueless about this. He's talking to us, he's talking to church folk. And he says, okay, you've got the foundation of Jesus and how you build on that, whether it's gold, silver, or precious stone, or wood, hay, or straw. So that means that as Christ followers, we can be making some decisions in our life that are gold, silver, and precious stone decisions. And we can be making some decisions in our life that are wood, hay, and straw decisions. But does that affect our foundation? Did the fact that I threw a pile of hay on top of a foundation all of a sudden make the foundation void? No. No. Okay? Please hear me in this. Okay? That, that, that this isn't about how to keep our relationship with God or how to have a relationship with God. We have it. He's our foundation, remember? He's our foundation. He says his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built up survives, he will receive reward. If it is burned up, if it's burned up, that means there wasn't a single good thing placed on top of what Jesus did. That was not a single bit of gold, not a single bit of silver, not a single costly stone. It was all wood, hay, and straw. All of it. Somebody accepted Jesus, placed their, faith, placed their faith in him, and then their entire life after that is wood, hay, and straw. Tragic? Yes. Because it all, in this scenario, it all gets, it all gets burnt up. But look at where we are. It says he himself will be saved. The worst case scenario is still in relationship with God. It's still saved. It says, but only as one escaping through the flames. So here's the beauty of this. So many times we can have this place where we get, we can have this paralysis that comes and a fear of doing the wrong things. I hate failure. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And what I have found is all the stuff that God has called me to in life and, and given me an anointing for in life that I have failed the first time I have ever tried it. First time I, I was a, spoke as a minister, it was horrible. People wanted, the, some of the girls wanted to beat my wife up. I'm not joking. She almost had the catch me outside moment. She gonna, that girl roll it up. Don't mess with my wife. And so... And nobody listened to me. I'm speaking, pouring my heart out. Nobody's listening. It's like, this is an utter failure. This is an utter failure. I do not need to be doing this with my life. I can empty a building like nobody's business. <laughs> but God said, yes, so keep moving forward and keep, keep letting God refine me. But I hate failure. I hate it. I hate it. Most of us do. And so here's what happens. Here's what happens. Is we tend to not want to fail, so we then tend to not want to try. 
and not do anything at all. And just step back and just kind of hope the fact that I'm not doing anything doesn't break anything. You know, if I do nothing, then yeah, I'm not making forward progress, but I'm not hurting anything either. Here is the beauty of what is told us in this gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hand, straw. Is get in there and build. Maybe you don't do it right every time, Dad. But there are going to be gold moments, and there are going to be silver moments, and there are going to be precious stone moments. And those are the ones that are going to matter. But if you don't ever get in the trenches, you're not going to have any of it. Yeah, maybe there's some wood that gets in there. Maybe there's some straw and some stubble. And maybe that finds its way in there. Maybe while you're trying to disciple your child, you totally lose it. And go, God loves you, you sorry little kid. Why do you not get this? You got some, some, some gold in there and some stubble. And you're like, kid, we're going to church whether you like it or not. We get a little over the top and a little whatnot, and I'm telling you, so many times we will back off from life. We will back off from this thing with God because we don't want to say something wrong or do something wrong. Guess what? This gives us permission to throw ourselves full on into this. Let the Holy Spirit go, and guess what? It's all going to be settled out in the end. But if we never get moving, if we never get moving forward, there's going to be no gold, silver, or precious stones. So you know what? I chose a long time ago. That you know what? I'm going to fall on my face sometimes. I'm going to do some really dumb things as a leader. I'm going to mess some stuff up. But you know what? If I stop, I'm not going to get any gold, any silver, any precious stone. I'm not going to have any long-term impact. So guess what? I'm just going to put this thing in motion, and we're going to go forward and hope that when it all the dust settles, there's some good stuff left on that foundation. That's what we want. Dads, it's okay if you blow it sometimes. It's okay. Get in there and just do it. Just get in there. I guarantee, I guarantee your kids are more forgiving than you think. You try to just show them some love, they're more forgiving than you think. They're more resilient than you think. Get in there and just do it. Just love on them. Just bring it to them. Folks, when it's all said and done, our bottom line today is Jesus is foundational. We never get past Jesus. You come to Celebration Church and you're like, man, y'all talk about Jesus a lot. Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. We never get past him. It all comes through him, to him. It's all about Jesus. And we we're never going to exhaust what we can talk about who Jesus is. See, the truth is, is when we see everywhere Jesus is revealed, we begin to see Jesus revealed everywhere. Everywhere. Folks, God is so good. God is so good. This gold, silver, precious stone thing, this isn't a scorekeeping thing. This is a place that gives us permission to go at it and not worry that we have to be perfect at it. Just jump in there and do it. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.